So it's good to see all of you guys this morning. I've already said this, but I'll say it again as I get ready to start my sermon. Happy New Year to you. Just look at your neighbor and say, Happy New Year. And tell them how good that they look. Tell them they look really good. They look the best that you've seen them look all year. <laughs> 2019. Man, it makes me feel old. I can remember, I, I can remember uh, of course, I was born in 72, so I can remember a lot of New Year's. But I, how, many, how many remember um, the year that uh, 1999 was going to go over to 2000 and everyone was terrified? Y'all remember that? Anybody terrified? Uh, all the computers were going to crash because Y2K was going to hit and the computers weren't smart enough to know that to roll over from 99 to 00. They thought everything was going to default and just it, the world was going to come to an end. Y'all remember that and staying up? And, well, guess what? Here we are 19 years later. We survived and we're still surviving. Life is good, right? I don't know how many of you, I don't know how many of you have made any, any goals or not this year. Um, and if you have, if you're still uh, achieving those goals, if you are, that's, that's good for you. If you haven't, you've got a few extra days to do that. You know, you've still got uh, an entire year, but, but get off to a good start, planning some good goals. I think that's good to have personal goals because goals keep us on track and uh, keep a, an end picture in mind of what maybe we want to look like or what we want to accomplish and I haven't really set any, like, physical goals. I mean, you look this good. You don't really need to. <laughs> Just kidding. But uh, one of the goals that I did set for this year was I, I want to really make a difference with my life this year. That's one of my goals. And matter of fact, probably the, the biggest goal. I, I just want to, for 2019, to be a year that I've invested myself in, in people and, and in God's kingdom and to be able to look back and think, wow, I, I really made a difference this year. And I think that should be really all of our goals is to, to better live our lives in such a way to point people to Jesus. And, and with that being said, I'm actually going to start a brand new series um, this morning uh, with that in mind about investing our lives. And, and the series is going to be called, He Said What? He Said What? He Said What? <laughs> Speaking of Jesus. And I, what we're going to do in this series is we're going to look at some of the, the profound truths and principles that Jesus taught and apply those to our lives because Jesus said some very good things, to say the least. As a matter of fact, many of the things that he said, when he said them 2,000 years ago, it literally transformed people's lives. And 2,000 years later, those same things that Jesus spoke are still transforming lives today. As a matter of fact, you are looking at a living, breathing testament to the fact that God's words change lives. He's changed my life. How many of you would just say his words have changed my life? Let me see your hand. I think all of us who've, who've taken a hold of God's word would realize that his words have power to transform our lives. And so what we're going to be doing, we're going to be looking at some of the things that Jesus said and how to apply those to our lives so that we can live the life that he has for us. So when we get to the end of our lives and, and, and first of all, to the end of this year, we can be able to look back and think, wow, God, you've really did some incredible things in my life and then through me to help advance your kingdom. And so that's what our goal is going to be this year. Now, I do want to say something um, to kind of open this series up so that your eyes will be open to all that God wants to speak to you in this series regarding investing your life. And that is this, that you did not create yourself. Now, I know that's, that's very profound, isn't it? You, 
You didn't create yourself. Now, this sounds simple, but I want you to think about it this way. If you didn't create yourself, that means that someone else created you. And I'm not talking about your parents. We all know that we came through those channels. But ultimately, it was God who created you. It was God who gave you life. God is our creator. We are the creation. Which means this. If we didn't create ourselves, if God created us, there is a reason and a purpose why we are here. I want you to know that. Regardless of whether or not um, you were planned, maybe your parents told you you're an accident or whatever, maybe some people have told you, you know, you weren't supposed to be here. I'm here to tell you, if you are here, and you are, okay, there is a purpose and a reason for you being here. Not so much, I'm not talking about here on Sunday at the refuge. I'm talking about being here on this earth. There is a purpose and a reason you are here. God created you. Now, when you grasp that, then your, your next um, understanding has to be this. If I'm here for a reason, if God has a purpose for me being here, I want to discover that purpose. Why am I here? Why am I here on this earth? What is the reason for me being here? And then my goal is that we would make it a goal to discover that and then begin to walk in that, and that will give us the life that God wants us to live, that life to where we're investing ourselves in others and in God's kingdom. So with that being said, let's look at some things that Jesus taught us. The first thing that we're going to look at is found in Matthew chapter number 25. We're going to look at verses 14 through 30. Many of the things that we look at are going to be parables. Um, and a parable is really just an illustrated story. Jesus taught in parables. He gave illustrations so that people would understand what he was talking about. And so in verse number 14, this is Jesus speaking, and he says this. He says, Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest. Everybody say invest. Invest the money, and he earned five more. The servant with the two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Verse 22, the servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned Two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. So those two are doing good. Then we get to verse number 24. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops that you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant, if you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, 
Why didn't you deposit the money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now that's, that's a pretty in-depth and strong way. Matter of fact, the way he finishes it is a pretty strong story. But let me, let me kind of break the tension in the room, okay? Because I know a lot of you are thinking right now, oh no, Pastor Scott's going to talk about money today. Let me just kind of ease that tension right now and let you know I'm not going to talk about money, okay? And even if I were, we've already taken the offering so you would be off the hook. But what I want to talk about is, is investing our lives in God's kingdom that God has entrusted us, not just with our resources, not just with money, but God has entrusted us with, with time. He's entrusted us with, with talents, with gifts. He's given each and every one of us so much. And just like in this story, he's expecting us to do something for him with what he has given us. Now, that does include money, by the way. But I'm not just going to talk about money alone. So this life of abundance, as we just read there in verse number 29, he says, I'm going to give you a life and abundance. That, and everybody wants that. Everybody wants this rich and satisfying life. Everybody wants life to the full. And there's all sorts of commercials that are taking place right now to try to tell you how to get that. But I'm here to tell you how we get that life is by doing the things that the creator of life has assigned for us to do. And if we will live that way, if we'll do these things that Jesus was teaching, we can have that life of abundance. This story, Jesus is talking about investing. In fact, when he says the master went off on a long trip, he entrusted his money to these servants, and then when he come back, he was expecting a return. Jesus is actually giving an illustration of what's happening now that he has gone away. He has entrusted things to us, and one day we're going to stand before him and give an account for what we have done with what he has given us. And there's actually three things that we can do with our lives. There's three things that I can do with my life. There's three things that you can do with your life. Number one, I can waste my life. I can waste my life. I, now, we won't spend a lot of time on this, but um, I'll just confess, I have wasted a lot of time in my life. I have. I mean, you have too. I, I've, re, I've wasted time on relationships. Like, I remember especially the dating years. I remember like, uh, you know, you, you end up staying with someone a lot longer than you should have, but you just didn't know how to say no and how, you know, how to break up. Anybody can relate to what I'm talking about. You know, some of you that are a lot colder than I am, you don't know what I'm talking about. You just... <laughs> I forget it, but it's just, you know, the relationship's gone like six months, and you just, you look back, you're like, man, I wasted a lot of time on that. Wasted a lot of time doing things that were meaningless. And you can't get that time back, can you? We've wasted a lot of money. I've wasted a lot of money on unwise purchases. And I'm sure you have too, but we won't talk about your, your mistakes. We'll just talk about mine, and y'all can laugh at me. We've all made bad investments. I know I've bought things before, and and a matter of fact, you, you see them, and you, you look at them. Maybe one of them's a treadmill that's in the garage that, that, that's no longer being utilized for what you bought it for. Now it's, it, you use it to store stuff and hang clothes and various things like that. And every time you walk by it, you think, man, why did I waste money on that? But all of us can relate to wasting our time, wasting money, wasting our talents and gifts on things that are meaningless. 
The second thing I can do with my life is I can, is I can spend my life and being, being spent doing things, like spend time like on my career, spend time going to school, spend time uh, on hobbies, spend time acquiring possessions, and just spend, 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 spend. And those things aren't necessarily bad. But the deal is, is that most of those things that I spend time on are all for myself, to please myself. It's all about me. And what happens is, is I can become so consumed spending time, spending money, uh, spending my gifts and talents on things that are all about me that I neglect investing in my marriage, in relationships with my kids, in my family, in church. I'm just spending, spending, spending that I'm not taking time to invest, which is the third thing that I can do with my life. I can invest my life in things that actually matter, in things that actually make a difference. And that's what Jesus was trying to get uh, us to understand through this parable uh, of, this, of the talents, is that his servants were entrusted with certain things, and he wanted them to invest back in his kingdom so that his kingdom would be beneficial. And this is what he's wanting us to do with our lives. Not, not to waste our lives, not just to spend our lives, but to actually invest our lives in things that make a difference, in things that bless other people, in things that draw people to Christ. How many realize this life is very short? I realize that more and more every day. The older I get, the more of my friends are passing away. And it's, it's not cool going to funerals of, of people that you went to school with and people that were just a little bit older than you. And you realize quickly, especially when you're at a funeral service, that, that life, like the Bible says, is, is just a vapor. It's like the morning fog. It's here for a little while, and then it's gone. And even if we live to be 110 years old, which not to be you know too doom and gloom, most of us won't. But even if we live to be 110 years old, that's nothing in the drop of eternity, in, the, in, the, in the, re the realm of eternity. We're just here for a little while. So Jesus is trying to get us to see that this life that we live right now is all about preparing for the next life. It's all about living for eternity. That's what he's trying to teach us in this story. He's trying to get all of us to understand, especially even today at the beginning of 2019, he wants us to understand that this life that we've been given to live today is, is really not about what we're doing in this life. It's to prepare us for the next life, to prepare us for eternity. As a matter of fact, you could say it like this. I believe we have this quote on the screen. Life is not about where we are now. It's about where we are going. It's not about where we are now. It's about where we are going. I, I think all of you can relate to this. I, I, I'll give you an illustration of me here in just a second. But have you ever been really dressed up? And I'm, I'm talking about in like formal attire. You were going to go somewhere, but before you got to where you were going, you had to maybe go into Walmart. You had to go somewhere to where that wasn't necessarily the proper attire to be wearing. Anybody, uh, you know what I'm talking about? You go into a store and you're like wearing a tuxedo or you're wearing a, a formal dress. Th this happened to me. It's happened a couple of times in my life, actually. But uh, one that I remember is um, 1991, many, many years ago. This is back when dinosaurs roamed the earth. Um, I was going to my senior prom. And, of course, I'm, I'm in a tuxedo and I'm driving my, this brings back memories, driving my four-wheel drive Toyota, 1983 Toyota jacked up. Man, that's a nice truck. I, I miss that truck. 
But anyway, I needed to stop and get some gasoline. It's right down here at the Pottsville Mini Mart. Uh, I had to pull in there and get some gasoline, and I get out, and here I am dressed in this tuxedo, and, and everyone's just staring at you. And I'm just there pumping gas in the tuxedo, and, and when everybody's staring at you, you feel like you've got to justify why you're wearing what you're wearing. So I'm looking at them and like, oh, I'm, I'm going to a prom, or I'm going to a wedding. You know, you've got to tell them why you're dressed up, because they're just staring at you. But the point is this. I wasn't dressed for where I was. I was dressed for where I was going. And that's the point that Jesus wants us to understand in this whole, this whole parable is that us as Christians, we should be living our lives. It may look weird to other people that we're here on a Sunday morning. It may look weird to other people when we show up for Saturday morning to do some sort of outreach to help our community. It may look weird when we give our finances for, to further the kingdom of God, but we're not living life for where we are right now. We're living life in a way to prepare us for where we're going. We're storing up treasures. We're advancing God's kingdom. We're doing things to bring other people to Christ. We're not living life for where we are. We're living life for where we are going. And that's the way that Jesus wants us to live. With eternity in mind. And how do we do that? By investing. Investing our time. Investing our talents. Investing our treasures. Now that's, that's hard to comprehend. It really is. Because that doesn't come naturally. Wasting time comes naturally. That's the lazy thing to do. Spending time and spending money and spending our talents and just, just being busy, that comes naturally. Wasting and spending come naturally. Because those two things are tied to selfishness. It's all about me. It's all about bettering myself. But investing doesn't come naturally. Using my time and talents and treasures to invest in other people or to invest in God's kingdom doesn't come naturally. So I want to help us out this morning, how we can better understand investing. And so I want to give you five points this morning that will help you better understand investing or why you should invest. And here's the first one. Number one, everything I have belongs to God. Everything I have belongs to God. As a matter of fact, let's, let's just practice saying that. Say that everything I have belongs to God. Some of you wasn't very convinced when you said that, so let's try it again. Everything I have belongs to God. Everything. There is nothing that you have that doesn't belong to God. Now, now I know some of you young people, are, well, what about, what about this iPhone? That doesn't belong to God. But you know what? It was made from God's stuff. It, there is nothing that we have that didn't come from God's stuff. Everything we have belongs to God. We own nothing on our own. But our, the air that we breathe, that belongs to God. The life that we have belongs to God. Everything that we have belongs to God. And in this story that Jesus told, we see that it was the master that entrusted his stuff to his servants. It wasn't theirs to do with whatever that they wanted. It was their master's. The things that we have are not ours to do with whatever that we want to do. Those things were given to us by God. Everything belongs to him. So when you understand that, it helps the whole concept of investing make a little bit more sense. Oh, okay, well, it's not actually mine anyway. It's God, so I want to give that back to him. The Bible actually says that it's the Lord who gives us the power to gain wealth. 
It's the, it's the Lord that, um, that gave you that creative mind to think and to do engineering and, and uh, do construction. Some of you are construction workers. Some of you are very skilled at what you do. But it, it was God who blessed you with that ability. It's God who blessed you with the strength and the power and the abilities and, and uh, just the mind to do what you do. So it all goes to Him. Psalm chapter 24 verse 1 says this, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. That's not my words. Those are, those are the, the, the words of God. Everything belongs to God. You and I own nothing. God owns it all. We are simply managers of His stuff. So that should help us to get a better understanding of investing. Make it a little bit easier to invest because it's not, not ours anyway. It's been entrusted to us by God. So we want to invest that back into his kingdom. Second thing that we need to understand to help us get a better grip on investing is that God has given everyone a talent. Everyone. Yes, even you. There's a lot of people who think, well, I just I don't have anything to offer. But this story, this, this, this parable of talents that Jesus tells proves to us that God has given everyone a talent. To one he gave five, to one he gave two, to one he gave one. And this kind of goes along with what the Apostle Paul teaches in, in the book of, one of the books of Corinthians. I believe it's in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, I believe. But don't hold me to that. I'm just a preacher. But, but he's talking about how we're all different members of the body, but we all make up the same body. The hand can't say to the foot that he's not important. The eye can't say, you know, to the hand that you're not. Everything is important. It, even, even your big toe, you take that thing away, it messes up your, your, your stride. It messes up your balance. Everything is important. And we all have a talent. There is no such thing as a no-talent person. Everyone has one. But here's something that that's makes this interesting. It's not the talent that you have that matters. It's what you do with that talent that matters. See, the equality uh, in us or with us is not in what we've been given. The equality is in what is expected from us. Let me bring this home. In this story, to the one who was given five, he was expected to, to invest five. Not three, not four, but five. To the one who was given two, he wasn't expected to invest five. He was expected to reproduce and to, to invest and to, and to earn back exactly what he had been given, two. The one that was given one, the same. He was expected to, to invest the one. My point is this. Our equality with one another is, is not in the talents or talent that we have. It's in what is expected from us. Are we investing back what has been given to us? That's where the equality is. And everyone has a talent. And we're all expected to invest that talent into God's kingdom. Which is point number three. God expects me to use my talent or talents for him. This is very important. Why do I have the talent that I have? Why do you have the talent that you have? Why do you have the gifting that you have? And we all have that gift. As a matter of fact, this is a little plug for our growth track. One of the goals of our growth track course that takes place on Sundays at 9 o'clock is to help you discover that gifting. Why do you have that talent? Is it just so you can 
make a name for yourself? Is it just so you can make a lot of money? Or is it to bring people to Christ? Is it to help benefit God's kingdom? God expects us to use our talents for Him. Why do we have this gift? So we can bring people to Christ. Many of you are, many of some of the people that were just up here, they just, they have a talent. A talent to sing. A talent to play. Those talents are not just to, to bring glory to yourself. Those things are to bring glory to God. Some of you are just very outgoing people. You're very relational type people. You're, you have good people skills. You're just, you just make people feel at home. You make people feel comfortable when they feel awkward and out of place. You have that, that ability just to talk to them and make them feel right at home. That's a talent. That's a gift. God doesn't want you to use that to showcase yourself. He wants you to use that to bring people to Christ. Serving in hospitality and in guest services. Some of you are really gifted with, with kids and, and just loving on kids. And kids just connect to you. That's not there by accident. God has gifted you because he wants you to bring kids to Christ to, to invest in their lives at a young age so they can discover Jesus. He's gifted you. And so these gifts and talents that God has given us, he's, he's entrusted us with his stuff so that we would invest that back into his kingdom. So those talents that you have, what are you doing with them? Are you using them to advance the kingdom of God? Let, let me say this while I'm on the topic of, of talent. There is a difference between talent and skill. I don't know if you're aware of that, but there's a difference between talent and skill. Talent is given, skill is developed. Talent is a, is a uh, God-given ability that is often hidden and needs to be pulled out or it needs to be recognized. Skill is a developed ability that, that you develop with, with training and effort. The Bible talks about how, how David, he played skillfully on his harp. God had given him a talent, but David developed the skill. And, and I say that this morning to plug this. Some of you, you, you are just naturally gifted and naturally talented, but you've just, you haven't continued to develop that, to, 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 to play skillfully or to sing skillfully or to do what you do skillfully. To, even for me, I've been preaching now for several years, but I should always be growing and developing that talent so that I can become more skilled at what God has given me to do. So God is not asking you to do what someone else is doing. He's asking you to use what you have been given, develop that, and use it for his kingdom. It, it, that's something that I have to humble myself a lot and, and uh, remember what, why I'm called. There's, it's very easy for me to, um, um, to watch a lot of what I would say are, are very gifted preachers. Matter of fact, I'll just throw his name out there. Stephen Furtick is one of my favorite. I had to quit watching him because every time I'd watch him, I'd just, I'd get so depressed. <laughs> Not with what he's preaching, but the fact that he's so good. I just, I feel like, man, what, what do I have to offer? This guy's so talented. He's just so gifted with words. He's so articulate. He never says saw instead of seen. He, he never messes up. You know, he's just very good. But, you know, God doesn't expect me to be Stephen Furtick. God expects me to take what he's given me, what he's gifted me with, to develop that the best that I can, and then communicate the way that he's called me to communicate. That's, and, and you know, you may disagree, but that's all right. Everyone has that, you're entitled to that opinion. But, but God has gifted me 
with, with an ability to teach the Bible in a practical way to where anyone can understand it. To try to teach it in a way to where it's not over people's heads, but they can understand it and know how to apply that to their lives. And so, I, you know, I keep reminding myself of that. You know, not that, I'm not saying that you guys are dumb by no means. I'm just, I'm just saying that, that, that God, you know, that's, anyway. But, but God has gifted me with that ability to teach it in a way that we can all understand it. And so he's, he's, he's asking me to take the talent that he's given me to develop that and then invest that back into the kingdom of God. And just like in this parable, one day he's going to ask not only me, but he's going to ask you as well, what have you done with the talent that he's given you? What have you done with that talent? Number four. This one's a tricky one. Investing requires risk. Now, actually I was a little hesitant to use that word risk because... Um, you know, people could look at that and think that we're talking about a reckless type of risk to where we're gambling with our lives. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about getting out of your comfort zone and stretching your faith. That's what investing requires. It, it requires getting out of your comfort zone and stretching your faith. It requires risk. Nothing great has ever been accomplished or nothing great will ever be accomplished by playing it safe. We have to learn to step out on faith. We have to learn to trust God. I know I'm speaking to, to people right now because you're, you're in that, you're in that uh, position right now to where you know I, I've got to stretch my faith. I've got, to, I've got to trust God with this. If, if everything is always safe and you always know how things are going to play out before you take that first step, then faith is not required. And, and faith is what pleases God. Faith is how God works in all of us. So it requires faith. We, we're investing requires faith. It requires us taking risk. And I, as I was preparing for this this week, I was, um, I was just thinking, and I actually think about this a lot, especially times when are low points in, in my ministry. But I, I think this. I'll say, I, I wonder what my life would look like today if I hadn't have, my wife and I hadn't have started this church 12 years ago where, 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 would, where would I be today where would you be today if God hadn't have led us to start the church if we hadn't have stepped out to start the church did you know literally hundreds of people have come to Christ through this church marriages have been restored through this church people have gotten off drugs and gotten their life back together, but together as a result of this church God has transformed lives as a result of this church being here, in fact, just this week I received a card from someone who used to attend here whose job relocated them to a, a, a somewhere out of town. And um, I wanted to read this, and, and I'll, I'll put all this hopefully into, into the message here in a minute. You'll, it'll all make sense. But it says, Scott and Audra, I pray that this donation gave us a gave the church a love offering. I pray that this donation will help you to continue to spread the message of Jesus' love in the River Valley. It was the refuge who brought me back to a deeper relationship with God, and I am so thankful. I, this is just one example. I, I have, I can't even count how many emails and letters that I have in my office that I have saved over the years of people's testimonies, thanking us for stepping out and starting the church and what God has done in their lives. Now, my point of telling you that is not to boast on myself or not to boast on 
what I have done. My point is, is this, that when, when God gives you something to do, gives you a talent, gives you, gives you time, gives you, gives you treasures to do something, when you invest that back into his kingdom, when you give that back to him and say, God, this is not mine, this is yours, I give it back to you, God can work through you to draw people to him. That is what we are supposed to be doing, using what he's given us to bring people to Christ. And God has done that through us. But it didn't come without taking a risk. I risked my career. I gave up a, a very good paying job. Now, I, church takes care of me. I'm not going to say that, that they don't. But I gave up a really good paying job with a lot of potential to start the church. It was a risk financially for us, not just career-wise, but somebody had to sign the, um, the lease contract on the building that the church was going to go into. Somebody had to had to put up the money for all the chairs and the sound system. You would not believe the, the money that it takes to start a church. So it was a risk. But God has been faithful through that. And he's brought people to Christ. Maybe you're here today as a result of us stepping out. Who knows? Maybe you'd be somewhere else. I, I don't know, but, but maybe you wouldn't. Maybe you wouldn't be serving God today. And many of you right now are sitting on talents and, and treasures and, and, and energy and resources that God has blessed you with that literally hundreds of other people could come to Christ if you would just invest that back into the kingdom. Man, it's quiet, but that, that's true. God is asking us to invest back into his kingdom. I wrote this down. I'd rather attempt something great and fail than succeed at doing nothing. It takes risk. My prayer is that for all of us, that 2019 would be a year that we would step out and do something that we haven't been doing. Investing. Our time, our talents, treasures, our energy, our efforts, money, all of that stuff. It's, it's all His. And that we would make 2019 a year that we invest. And that's not going to come easy. It's going to require risk. It's going to require trusting God. And number five, I saved this one for last because I figured that you would really want to hear this one. Number five is investing my talent brings great rewards. Jesus said in John 10, 10, I've come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. We, we quote that scripture a lot and we, we say, yeah, Jesus comes so that we could have a, uh, an abundant life, life to the full. And he did. But how do we get that? We don't get that just by doing whatever we want to do and living however we want to live and doing with what he's given us with what you know, how, whatever we want to do with it. There are principles to live by. First of all, it requires giving your life to Christ. That's, you know, you can have no greater life but to know that you're going to heaven. And that happens by accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Dying to yourself and your selfish ways and accepting Jesus. But then secondly, it happens as we start taking his word and applying it to our lives and living by those principles. And the majority of the principles are all countercultural. They don't, they don't line up with what cultural says, culture says to do. But it's the truth. Remember, we, we've talked about this in some of our series. That it's God's, way is, God's word is truth. Doing things God's way is how he's called us to live. Investing in his kingdom, using what he has blessed you with to help bless others. Those things, when you do that, it brings great rewards. Not only for our eternal life, but it also brings great rewards in the life that we live right now. It's a blessed life. In this story that, that Jesus gives, there were two faithful servants. 
They were faithful with, with the things that God had given them. They invested it, and it brought the master rewards. And he says to both of them, he says, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Let me, let me give you more. Let, let me give you greater responsibilities. In, in, in Luke's version, I believe it's Luke's version of this story, uh, he says, let me, let me put you, make you a ruler over other cities. Because God sees you as a conduit of his grace and love. And he knows that if you are faithful in investing the things that he's given to you, that he can give you more because you can be trusted. Let's look at verses 28 and 29 again. And I'm about to close. I see some of you getting a little antsy. Verses 28 and 29 from Matthew 25 again. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant. This is the servant who did nothing with what he had been given, okay? He says, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with 10 bags of silver. Let me, let me just say this real quickly because a lot of people say, well, that's not fair. Why would he take it from the one that only had one and give it to the one who now has 10? I can tell you why. Because the one who has 10 originally had five and took all that God had given him and invested it back into God's kingdom. And God looks at him and says, now there's a faithful steward. There's someone who I can trust. Let's take it from the one who's not going to do anything with it and let me give it to the one who I know can be trusted and will invest. Kind of, if you want to be blessed this year, invest what God has given you in his kingdom. Verse number 29 goes on to say, To those who use well what they are given, look at this, this is the Bible, this is Jesus, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Whatever that God has entrusted to you, your responsibility is to invest that back into his kingdom. Use that in such a way to bless others and bring people to Christ. That includes everything. Your time, your talents, your resources, your money. If you want to be blessed financially this year in 2019, put God first in the area of your finances. Trust Him with it. Give faithfully. Faithfully. Some of you say, well, I'm giving, but I don't, I don't see any rewards that. Are you giving faithfully? Have you truly trusted God with the first 10% of your income? Or are you just kind of, you know, when I have it, I give. That, that's not trusting God. That's good. I believe God honors that. But when you fully trust him with the first 10% and give faithfully, be consistent. I don't, God, I don't know how I'm going to pay these bills, but I'm going to keep you first. I'm going to trust you. God is faithful. He will see to it that you are blessed. Everything that I have. God, this year, 2019, I'm going to invest my time. I'm going to invest my treasure. I'm going to invest my talents. Everything I have, God, I'm going to invest in your kingdom. And I believe that God is going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with what I've given you. Now let me give you more. Because I know you can be trusted. What are you going to invest your life in this year? What are you going to invest your life in? 2019, what are you going to invest your life in? What are you going to take time to invest in this year? God is calling you to take your talents, take your time, take your treasures, and invest it back into his kingdom. Help more people come to know Christ. Grow in God and become a blessing to other people by investing your time, talents, treasures in his kingdom. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity that you've given us today, Lord, to learn about the things that you taught. Over 2,000 years ago, Lord, you taught these things and people's lives were changed and people's lives are still being changed today, God, as a result of the power that lies in your word. 
God, we say it here a lot that your word, Lord, is life and it's a transforming power that produces results. God, we believe that. The words that we've read this morning are not just a book. God, these are your words that change people's lives. And Lord, I know when it comes to investing that, that many of us, Lord, we're a little hesitant, we're reluctant because it requires risk. It requires stepping out in faith. It requires trusting you. And that doesn't come easy. It doesn't come natural. Father, I pray that this morning, God, that through your words, Lord, and through your Holy Spirit, that you would begin to show people that you're a God who can be trusted and that you want to bless them this year, God, because you want to draw people to you. You want to grow the church. You want to grow relationships. You want to grow families, Father, and and spiritual maturity. God, this is the year that you want us to know you even, even more intimately than we've ever known you before. Regardless of how long we've been serving you, God, this is the year that you want us to grow even deeper. And God, that doesn't come, Lord, without investing time and talents and treasures. God, I pray that you would call everyone to a closer walk with you this morning. And should there be one that may be in this room today or who may watch this later online, God, that who's never given their life to you, Father, I pray that before this day is over, that they would surrender their life by saying, Jesus... I realize that this life is all about you. It's not about me. And I need you. I need a Savior. I need to be forgiven for living selfishly. Forgive me, Jesus. Come into my life. God, let that be their prayer today. In Jesus' name, amen.